Mark your calendars for the Mantle Ministries Roundtable discussion with Reverend Jerry Jones and Pastor Joel Urshan at this year's Kentucky District Camp Meeting. We're also pleased to announce the Mantle Conference, a conference aimed to equip the young minister. Guest speaker, Pastor Brosom. Several keynote speakers will be selected from our very own young ministers here in the Kentucky District. Listen to the Mantle podcast wherever you are. While at the gym, while cleaning, while commuting to work. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, Spotify, Apple Podcast, and the Kentucky District app. Hey everybody, thank you for joining us today for the Mantle Ministries podcast. The goal of this podcast is to reveal and to show the burdens and the dreams of the young minister, ages 40 and under, in the Kentucky District. But it's also to bring on voices outside of the state of all ages, various stages of ministry, that have impacted this generation that we're speaking to. And also to bring on voices that maybe they haven't heard from before, but will impact them greatly. Our next guest is no stranger to the Kentucky District. He just played at our youth camp. He's played at many of your churches. Our next guest is Gideon Asefa. He is the worship pastor at Truth Chapel, pastored by Brother Court Chavis. He's played at every major event that we have in our movement, General Conference, Youth Congress, and almost every major apostolic music project he's been a part of it. I couldn't even list them all. He's played for IBC Praise. He's seen a lot of things, and I'm telling you, if you open your ears, he shares principles about church culture and leadership and building a department that speak to worship leaders and ministers in that realm, but also the principles, they cut through every area of ministry that you may find yourself. So open your ears and let him invest in you. I appreciate him coming on. Thank you for joining us today. Hey, Gideon, how are you today? Man, I'm doing great. Uh, It's good to be here. I'm excited to uh, be on this podcast, man. I appreciate you coming on. And uh, we're pros. You know, we just talked for 10 minutes and we just... yeah. Seamlessly acted like that we, we just greeted for the first time. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So like um I've ran into you off and on throughout the years, and I'm not gonna um not to embarrass you or or anything, but you're one of those people where everybody listening to this, people all across uh, different states, different ministries, many people would say, like, hey, Gideon's my friend, right? And there's some people they say that about, and like that person like is more of an acquaintance. But for you, I think it's really real. Like I think that you have tons of friends because you're very personable, and like, well, yeah, I mean, I try to, you know, that's like the whole thing. Um, I try to make friends everywhere I go, and, um, and and the thing about it is like everywhere I have been, there's always going to be somebody that's really kind. I mean, there's a few people that are not so kind, but it's you know, yeah. but yeah. I try to just, I just try to like be friends with everybody that I can, you know, and even sometimes I tell this to people a lot, uh, you know, if, if I see somebody's, uh, you know, shoes or something, somebody's glasses, I'm always like, Hey, I like your shoes, like your glasses. Compliments are free. And, uh, we're all yeah. on the same team. So you, you know, it's just, it's just nice to me. I love meeting new people. I love going new places. You know, I love that. I think it's, uh, I mean, obviously it's a ministry unto itself, but you don't remember this probably. Okay. So though, I mean, you look really young. I look really young. Not to, maybe you didn't know that about yourself. Like we're just yeah. aging beautifully, Gideon. Like we're really holding well, it down. Yeah, I'm trying. <laughs> <laughs> so like, I, there was a time about nine years ago, okay, where I ran into you off and on. And like my perspective of Gideon was, you're playing at, at Youth Congress, you're playing at General Conference, you're friends with with our music our music minister here uh, at the time, Brandon Calden. 
So like to 16 year old, 17 year old, 19 year old me, I was just like, bro. So Brandon Cowden convinces me to start, try to start singing. Okay. So, which was terrifying. Okay. And it, I mean, I'm not incredible by any means, but I'm doing it now. And you don't, may not remember this. He said, come to my office and I'm gonna make you start singing every week. And I would just learn a song. It's usually elevation yeah. songs, songs with low range, but breath. You know, he was trying yeah, to help yeah. me out. And I showed up for the first meeting and he didn't tell me you were going to be there, but you were in the room. Okay. I was like, oh God, I can't do this. Okay. <laughs> so I started thinking like, oh, come to the altar or something. And I know it was probably super rough first time. My knees were shaking. I was terrified. And I remember, of course, Brandon, you know, if anybody knows Brandon, Brandon. he was like, well, you know, that was, you know, come back next week. <laughs> but I looked at you and you were like, you're like, bro, you should keep doing this. Like, really, don't give up on this. And I was like, and listen, you're, I, you know, I won't throw your age out. I'm older, 28. And so, but still at 19, like I left like tearing up because of that small encouragement. Like really, it impacted me in a great way. Wow. Well, um, I'll say this, man. I'll say this. So sometimes, okay, this is a tangent off of the podcast, but I'll say this. Go ahead. Go um, ahead. So the hard, one of the hardest things for me to think about is, long story, um, is background music to play at church. Like, so what I do is I'll go on Instagram and you know how they have those stories? Like, if you just keep on scrolling, right. they'll be like, Right. And so I'll put my phone like right here from my mm -hmm. laptop and from my piano. And I'll, you know, usually it's like a, some sort of like emotional music that's in the background. I try to right. learn all of those songs. So one time there's this one video of a guy talking about how he wishes his parents would have came to the games that he, he played at and, and all that stuff. For me, I'll, I'll be honest, my, I mean, like my dad worked two jobs, my mom worked 12. So like, even if they wanted to, I mean, they came sometimes, but even if they wanted to, it was very difficult for them to come. And sometimes, yeah. sometimes, um, you know, that's, that's, that's all people want is just like some sort of affirmation, but just like a little bit. Sometimes yeah. it's like, you don't know how far you can take people by just giving them like a small, like word of encouragement. I knew, I knew that just, like, I didn't know you very well at 19, but I knew, like, something about you, which was enough, which was, if you're going to do it, you're going to kill it. But, you know, you know what good singing is. You, you know, Brandon was at your church, and all you have a great praise team, great musicians. You know what it's supposed to sound like when it's right. And I know yeah. in your head, you're like, I'm not there. Like, you're saying this to yourself. Like, I'm not there yet. But when somebody else comes by and says, hey, don't quit, it's like, because that's the hardest part. You know, that was like, you used all of your courage to get to Brandon's office, and then you had no more courage because you saw me there. <laughs> and then when I gave you, like, like you just ran out, you know? Yeah. Uh, there was, there was a girl at my church. Uh, it was her first time. Now, I, I don't know the whole story. I, I don't know the whole story. Uh, I do know that uh, she has siblings, and I'm not sure if she was adopted or if her siblings were adopted, but like. Like she's white, her sister's black. One of them, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, so yeah. one of them. So she took all of her, she just moved to our church from, I think, Tennessee. And she, her sister's a lot better at singing. And, you know, she's, this is her first time singing a solo. And she literally used all of her courage to get up on the platform. She's a teenager. 
she's in a new youth group. Uh, she sings, but she's not as good as her sister, and she knows that. And she's up there, and she's literally, you can see her shaking. She's so nervous. And so they were, we were having a conversation saying, like, man, should we change the song? Should we cut the solo? Um, and I said, I said, no, no, no. She needs to do it. Like, and I told the person who's over the youth music, I said, I want you to stand in the altar, like, directly in front of her. And if anybody else is being, like, you know, mean or saying negative things, I said, just tell her to look at you. And, and I, and she said, okay, I'm gonna, like, so it's like, she's singing right here. And then the altar, she's like standing right. Cause you know, people come to the front to worship, yeah. you know, so it wasn't, but, um, it's really, it's really, it's really, um, in terms of like passing the mantle, I'll tell you a story about Jeremy Desmond. He's one of, he's, uh, one of my mentors, I have six mentors that I, I kind of talk to, and if I have like really big issues, I, I ask them. And Jeremy Guzman, he's a music minister. He's an admin pastor at uh, a church in Bentonville, Arkansas. So there's this guy who's now a youth pastor. We were at Arkansas camp. I was in Bible school. And, and like Bible school, the Bible school mentality, let me tell you, like in this conversation, I got out. This whole idea started because of this occurrence. There was a guy on the drums. He's not a drummer. I mean, he made drum at his church. He went. Yeah. He's going to uh, IB. Uh, I'm sorry. He went. He went to Gateway to study or uh, to be a preacher. Yeah. Not, not music. So he gets on the drums. He's just messing around. He's just like playing, you know. And he's not. He's not the best drummer in the world. But I'm thinking like IBC praise, you know. So he's on the drums and he's just messing around. And so. Uh, Jeremy, we're all like, we're all like practicing for a song that we're going to do the Bible colleges. And so Jeremy comes in the Arkansas campgrounds. And so he says, Hey man, who's your drummer? And I said, Oh, he, he's not a drummer. He's just, he's just messing around. And then Jeremy was like, well, he's playing the drums. So he's your drummer. And so at that <laughs> moment I was like, yeah, I th yeah, he is a drummer. Yeah. And, but like, I didn't, I didn't see him that way. Right. Because he, you know, he he may not have made corral. He may not right, have made. Right. Uh, all right. I'll say his last story about okay. this. I was in Wisconsin. This is probably the funniest thing, the funniest rebuttal I've ever had about somebody's negative comment about themselves. We we did this thing called Save Our Nation. It was in Wisconsin. They rented a dome, and eleven hundred people got the Holy Ghost that night. And we were counting like the altar call was crazy. We no music. We like we didn't play until like. 280 people got the Holy Ghost. It was like something crazy. Wow. So they were they were counting. There was a way that, anyway. So the bass player, uh, after the service, we're listening to the music. Vito Giovanni did the sound. So the, the broadcast makes sound phenomenal. He, the bass player is in his car. I'm standing outside of his car and we're listening to A Reason to Dance. And then he says to me, you know, man, you're not my church. I really play the guitar. I don't really play bass. So uh, if I played guitar, I would have done I would have been better because I'm not, I'm not really a bass player, you know? And so I said, I said, bro, how many people need to get the Holy Ghost for you to be a bass player? <laughs> like, there's, 11, <laughs> there's 1,100 people that just got the Holy Ghost. <laughs> and I'm like, bro, you're a bass player. Like right. he, he, he did really good, but to, to himself, he's like, oh, I would have done better if I played guitar. And I'm like, bro, 1,100 The latter rain is falling, bless God. And you're worried about what it's, you're playing. That's, it doesn't yeah. matter. Like, it was like right after it was like 1100 people got, okay, Hey, we ate some food. We walk outside to get in his car. 
man, I'm not really a bass player, bro. <laughs> You're a bass player. Um, yeah, it was it was funny, man. You know, uh, I remember you were talking about how you were like. No, you're going to sing and just stare at me. Which you just, we're going to work it out. She needs to do it. And uh, I remember Brandon one time, he was like, um, I'd messed up in practice a little bit on the solo and everything. And, and he looked at me and said, listen, I don't restart songs. So like, you can do this and you're going to get through this. And he's like, and this is life. And he said, if you mess up, you just keep swimming. I'm not replaying the song at the, at the yeah. program. You can, you can do it. And it gave me, it seems like tough love, but I was like, I have no out. Like there's, I'm like, just going to keep going. You have to do it. <laughs> you have to do it. And it, we got through it. And it was, you know, it's those moments that really, you know, you mentioned something. You, you, you already got into it in a wonderful way about passing the mantle on Elijah. And you mentioned your mentors. So, you know, I think we focus so much on the, the story of Elijah and Elisha. And we skip to the part where the story is about Elisha. Okay. Elijah has this mantle. And God tells him to go put his mantle upon a young man named Elisha. And he puts it on his shoulders, and then it starts. And then we're like, and it's been preached and taught. Elisha has to follow him, and Elisha has to be prayerful, and Elisha has to you know, hone his craft. And then one day, Elisha, Elijah rather, leaves. The mantle falls, and Elisha picks it up and does the same miracle that Elijah just did moments before. He smacks the Jordan River with the mantle. And it's like, there he got it. He got it. But I think we missed the, the emphasis on the fact that Elijah, moments ago, caught on fire from heaven. He then becomes so depressed, he says, Lord, just let me die here. The Lord sends an angel to give him a snack, you know, just, you know, fix his blood sugar spiritually. Yeah, he, he just needs to get a little snack. And he's yeah, he's a snack, you know. <laughs> uh, and so he goes and finds the Lord in a still small voice in a cave. This guy's in his, his prime, right? He is Elijah. And God is like, here's how we're going to fix you, Elijah. You're, you're confused. He asks him, he says, in a still small voice, he says, why are you here? Imagine if God asked you that. Like, you're complaining, you're I hungry. Mean, I have no answer for that, man. Like it's a it's a crazy question, and he didn't even wait for Elijah's like like a real honest answer. He then was like, "Here, I'll tell you why." He said, "Go and anoint a young man named Elisha." And when he goes and anoints him, that's the I mean that's the powerful part of the story. Is this guy in his prime, this minister, guy, girl, whatever ministry, has the sensitivity to hear God to go and invest in a young person's life and awaken something inside of Elisha. So. Gideon, who was that for you? Who are the Elijahs of your life? Who are the, the mentors, maybe from afar or in person, where they awaken something in you? And if it's personal, like, how did that change you? That permission of, like, I didn't see it, but this mantle is making me feel pretty confident now. Yeah. Um, well, I have to give a huge, huge credit to Lyndall Anderson from uh, Indiana yeah. Bible College. Um, now, I'll tell you why. It's kind of like, it's kind of like um, he has a very high standard, mm -hmm. a very high standard with anything that you do that he's a part of. So in terms of like choir, uh, IBC choir, IBC chorale, IBC praise. And there's also many people that have come through IBC and have been affected by Lundell Anderson. But unless you get unless you get close to him, you don't really know how high his standard is, really. Mm -hmm. So um, and. And I'm gonna tell you right now, like brother, brother Anderson doesn't know how to make tracks. He doesn't know how to play like aux keys. Like I mean, he's played aux keys, but like yeah. you know, he he's not like, and he's not in like specific. He doesn't know how to run Ableton. Like he doesn't know, but it has to be right. It has to sound good. It has to complement the music. And if it's not, all he's gonna say is, "Hey, can you go ahead and work on that?" Because his standard is high. 
Yeah. And so he created an opportunity for me and many other people to have a platform to like, rather I'm going to raise my standard to his bar or I got to get out and let somebody else do it because there was other people that did want to do it. Yeah. Um, he was a huge, a huge part of my, like, of why I'm in music ministry. He's, he's a huge part just because he gave me that opportunity. Now I'll tell you this, I had to go to IBC to be able to meet brother Anderson. I mean, I met him before, but I had to put myself in the pressure cooker kind of thing. You know, I had to be yeah. able to go and say, Hey, this is what I want to do. Um, since him, since him, you know, I've, there's other people that have helped me tremendously. Um, whether, and I'll be honest with you, whether they intentionally were attempting to help me or they negatively were, or they were trying to hurt me, you know, like, but all information technically can be beneficial to you. It's like, you can look up to even people that do you wrong because you're like, okay, I'm very happy that I went through that experience. I'm going to make sure that I don't do that, you know, or right. like with Brother Anderson, there's a lot of things that, you know, I wish I could do like him, but he's a pioneer. I mean, Brother Anderson's helped me so much, you know. Yeah. Um, the biggest thing about Brother Anderson, which is, it's, uh, I don't, I think it's his, I honestly, I think he's like really gifted at this. He can produce like very, very good uh, singers and musicians. And he doesn't like, he doesn't sing and like, he doesn't play all the instruments, but because he has this very high standard and because of the way that he teaches and the way that he loves, people want to be better for him. Yeah. And so he has like this superpower of like passing down the mantle, like, you know, and he's still, he's still doing it, you know, and that's why that I think you. he's one. Yeah. He's like, he's like the godfather of music ministers. Yeah. A lot of people credit, credit their beginnings to him. I mean, like I didn't start playing piano at Indiana Ball. I, I played a little bit, you know, like my friend, one of my really good friends is uh, Draylon Young and he yeah. didn't start singing at Indiana Bible College, but Brother Anderson was able to take what he, what he had and, you know, grow that, you know, so, um, that, so probably, probably I would say Lundell Anderson, there's, I mean, my pastor in New York, his name is, uh, Doug Davis. He, I just thought that, and he's a phenomenal piano player. I thought that when you play at a church, you have to, you have to play perfect because I never heard him mess up. So I'm like, oh, yeah. well, I can't play at church because I can't play perfect yet. You know, that's what yeah. I thought. And then I went to IBC. I'm like, you could actually mess up and it's okay. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. But no, uh, my pastor, I, every Sunday I, I listen to him play the piano. I'm like, man, he's doing so much stuff, you know, and even they have archive serv uh, services from Bethel and mm -hmm. he's even like in the early nineties, late eighties, he's still killing like on a Roland DX seven, just killing, yeah. you know, like, <laughs> but, uh, ever since then I found out that it's very important to have, I mean, you can have friends or people your age, but, um, and I have like, different mentors like for example Larry Silliman he's from the west coast he has a different experience he works at Christian Life College but he has a different experience you know and so like I'll I'll bounce things off of him Kevin Howard I you know I, I bounce things off they have different experiences and they they know different things so when I ask them for like you know very important questions um, they give me a very um, an answer that holds a lot of weight because of their experience so I really do value um, what they say, Andy Ferguson, uh, you know, if, if you've ever met Andy Ferguson, he is one of the happiest guys. He's, I mean, he's, he's very like outgoing, smiles all the time, but you don't really know how smart he is. Like, and, and he, to me, what I found out, and I, I didn't know this at first, but he's like, 
I would call him like a sniper because he he is so kind, so nice all the time. But when he drops a bomb of wisdom, it's mm-hmm. like, man, you should have told me before you did that. Yeah, should have warned me. Yeah. He, uh, so, I, I mean, I love talking to him. Um, you know, like I said, Jeremy, uh, Brandon is actually one of my mentors. Yeah. Brandon Cowden and uh, Vito DiGiovanni. Because, uh, honestly, Brother Vito, he's – I would credit me playing Ox Keys uh, and everything that I've learned about Ox Keys to Brother Vito. He doesn't play Ox Keys. And I tell people this. The thing about Ox Keys is you have to understand what – Ox keys is and what the position of ox keys, and because Vito, brother Vito is a sound person, he understands like sonically, like within the frequency range, what ox is supposed to be. And we talked about ox keys a lot, and that really, that really, I would say, I'll give my credit to brother Vito because, you know, you can play a certain sound, but how do you play that sound is the thing that we talked about. So it was yeah. really, it was really Vito, and he helped me a lot with that. But um, but yeah, I mean, brother Anderson, I have. I could tell you so many stories with Brother Anderson, and uh, it's just you know, he 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 was a big part of my life, you know. Yeah, you know, you were talking about guys that you still have an ongoing relationship with, and I mean, of course, it preaches well. It's dramatic, you know, this moment that Elijah gives the mantle and he's gone, but like it's it's an ongoing relationship. You still call these guys, you run things by them, and now yeah, I mean, it's different when you're at Bible school. And be influenced by them, and now you're in you're in your thing. You're doing your thing. You're in your prime, and that relationship it grows, and you become in some ways peers. So that that relationship, you still listen, and you still have to protect that. I'm gonna listen to you, and I won't be offended by you. And yet you also are giving me the gift of respect. You've seen where I came from, but now you respect me as a peer. Very hard thing to manage, right? And like I often think about uh, Joseph has dreams, right? And yeah. his father's like, bro. You said I'm going to bow to you? Like, what are you talking about? And it's like, I think Jacob was thinking, well, I had dreams that Beth was a young man, and God said he's going to use me. And he's thinking, if God's going to use you, Joseph, does that mean he's done with me? And as he's not. And that matter of fact, Joseph's dreams didn't come true until he helped Potiphar's burden of his house, the butler, the baker, Pharaoh, and then he eventually accomplished Jacob's dreams. It's like, nobody has to edit out the Jacob or the Joseph. They work together. Like, it... God is not going to edit out your neighbor or your mentor or the person you're mentoring. Nobody has to decrease. I mean, we decrease so he can increase, but nobody has to decrease for you exactly. to increase. And I think exactly. it's, I think it's why people struggle to have mentors at times, the more developed they get. And I think sometimes people struggle to mentor um, because of that for various reasons. And I think it's, it's beautiful that you have an ongoing relationship with these guys in various stages of life. I, mean, I say this to people. Uh, mentoring somebody, it's difficult. Like yeah. Jesus had twelve, and that's because he was Jesus. You know what I'm saying? Like it's <laughs> yeah, like, he did. And and then his stats weren't even that. I mean, like he had one that still. Yeah, know, that's right. You know what I'm saying? So like, yeah. and he's They're denying Jesus. him, <laughs> running away, and everything. So, right. So I mean, like, if you got one guy, that's a huge deal. You know, be able right. to pour into one person. Because I mean, even I mean, and Jesus knew what he was doing. You know, three and a yeah. half years. So, um. But yeah, discipling somebody and like being able to really what you're trying to do is the thing that's inside of you, you're trying to put it in that next person. And that thing is this passion and this drive to be able to use your gifts and your time and your talents for the Lord, you know, and that's, it's, it's just, it's just difficult. And it takes time. It takes conversation. It takes, because 
it's a decision. At the end of the day, you have to make a choice. Am I going to go to the gym today? That's a choice. Am I going to have sugar in my coffee? It's a choice, you know. Right. Am I going to go to the church and rehearse an hour before rehearsal to get my stuff down? Or am I going to take notes on the song? It's a choice. Now, you could say, hey, well, I don't really need to do that. And of course you don't need to do that. Like, you can learn the song by just listening to it. But I'm doing this for the Lord. So right. am I going to put my passion and my talent and just ride on that? Or am I going to put some hard work behind that? And Jesus, I mean, if I'm not mistaken, I didn't hear anything about Jesus after he got, I don't know if he got grounded. I don't know how they did it back then. But Mary <laughs> found him in the temple, was ticked. Right, Wasn't it two right. days or three days? I don't yeah, remember how many yeah. days he was there. And then you don't hear nothing from because Mary was like, listen, you're not going to leave my side. And the next time you hear about him, he's turning water into wine. And Jesus is like, hey, I'm not ready yet. You know, it's not yeah. my time. So, um, well, he called his mother, whole... he called his mother woman one time in response to one of those instances. And I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah. how do you call your mother woman and be so Jesus like that you never sin doing it? Like, that's, that's a fine line. He's like, woman, I'm accepting your, your, your discipline, but we're going to do this the right way. I think that's crazy. Yeah. I think I think he loved his mom, you know. I, oh, I really yeah. do think, um, because like I mean, I thought about you know put yourself in in the shoes. Your mom is hosting a wedding party and she's asking you for help. You right. know, she uh, she went to Jesus because she knew like that he could do this. Like she knew right. that, so she was like, "Hey Jesus, I need some more wine." Um, and Jesus is like, "Mama, you know I gotta do the dishes, mom." <laughs> like, right. But no, but it's like. Jesus was like, you know, mom, I'm going to help you because I love you, you know, and you, and she doesn't wait for a response. She just says, Hey, I need you to get this. And then right. she says, the Germans, you do whatever he says, no response. Like doesn't wait for Jesus to talk back. Just like, Hey, you do whatever he says. And then the next part, okay, they, they get the barrels or now this is off of, obviously, this is my soapbox off the theme, right? We'll circle back. I just think so much about Mary and Joseph and like we're on here talking about ministry. And uh, and sometimes we get trapped in the craft of ministry, like the what we produce, the service we have towards God, the nurturing ministry. But it's the ministry of nature underneath that gives that power. Like if I'm preaching, it's the fruit on the vine of my prayer life. Like, and so I think that is like the nature, the ministry of nature. It's how I think because I'm with Him. It's how I walk because I'm with Him. It's prayer and devotion. It changes my DNA spiritually. So I have no ministry of nature. I have no ministry of nurture. And can, can you imagine? Mm -hmm. Living with Jesus as a mother, the the weight of being the most godly mother you can be. Like she, I know she had ups and downs, probably made mistakes like we all do, but I think she crushed it because she had the ministry of nature. And like matter of fact, his his, his surrogate earthly, you know, adoptive daddy, Joseph, we're, we just give Mary all the props because she conceived, you know, the, the flesh of God and we should. But he also sent an angel to Joseph and said, hey, don't run off. Like, I want you here, too. And he told him what's going on. Why? And he picks a carpenter to be the adoptive father of Jesus, not a prophet, not a priest. And this is one thing I think that limits us as a generation is that like ministry of being a friend, ministry of being a parent, ministry, music, preaching, whatever it may be, the, the spectrum of ministry, like there's not one ministry that needs to be less anointed than the other. Like this dude stood mm -hmm. up every day and he's like, I'm going to go work and I got a mentor, God in the flesh in this earthly way. And he, he was picked by that. I just think sometimes, like, he may have been a bad preacher, but God's like, that's the guy that's going to raise me. And it's like, at the end of the day, that's what matters the most, right? Like, 
if yeah. I can be used to foster the life of God through whatever means necessary in my life, like that's the first thing I have to do. It's crazy. Yeah, and a lot of times, uh, you know, I've seen this. A lot of times, people say, "Okay, you know what? How can I say it better?" Um, I'll, I'll say it like this: in a culture of where the leader is a micromanager, the people under them are they have this thing called learned helplessness. I think mm. I, I, I talk about this sometimes because when you lead, leading with an open hand and letting like creating an environment where people can fail and yeah. basically saying, hey, this is a safe spot, it allows people to get better. And if you find somebody who is on their trajectory, you know, like a, a big thing is like their spirit, like, you know, are, are they moldable? Are they humble? Like, do they take correction? that's that's kind of the person you're you're trying to find but at the same time if you find these other people that have like you know a, a few things that they need to work on you know you could try to help them through that through that walk but if you have somebody who's at like 60 percent there it's literally what i would do is say hey i'm gonna help you get to 80 because right. a lot of the time where, where we stop is like hey you know we we can't find anybody that can do this job it's like well, you have humans, you know, there's people here that got us brought to this <laughs> people, church, yeah, yeah. you know, and I, it's like, if Jesus, and, and I, I get it, you know, Jesus had to, had to die and had to be raised in order for the comfort, for the Holy Ghost to come. But I guarantee you, if Jesus was there in the book of Acts, and there's the people that said, hey, what are you guys doing? Like, Peter would not have stepped up. He would not have stepped up. He would have been like, Jesus, they're asking you a question. But, he, but Jesus wasn't there. And sometimes, sometimes, sometimes there's going to be times where you're not going to have the person who's always done it. Like, you know, you're not going to have that person. For example, I, I was, uh, uh, I was sick. You know, there's a, there's a, a whole bunch of sickness that's been going around the whole country. And I was sick this past Sunday and I couldn't, I literally couldn't, I was in the emergency room. I couldn't go to church. So we have, luckily at our church, we do have some people that can hold a position. But to me, that just showed me, hey, we still need to grow the team. We need to, we need to go deeper with the team because there were a few holes and in, in, in that I do. And technically, what that means is that I'm the reason why we aren't growing because I do those jobs. So I become the bottom. Mm. To understand that like there's things that I do that I need to teach and train other people to do. So, I mean, I, I can't imagine like, you know, being around Jesus for three and a half years and then hearing him preach, hearing him talk. And then Having number one, it. like, yeah, like, it's like, hey, you know, I got you for a few years. But then after that, I'm going to go by myself to a, a part of the world that I'm not going to see any. Like, I think wasn't everybody, all the apostles, more, like killed for the gospel, except John. He yeah. had to, like, they, they tried to they tried to uh, get him, but he, you know, he had to write some more. So. Yes, right. Um, he had to see yeah, vision so, on an island. Yeah. You know, I didn't want to, you were triggering me. We were talking about this, and, and I talked about this in the past podcast, and I didn't want to bring it back up, but you were getting me going on this. <sighs> like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they're in, they're like the background characters of Daniel's story at first. Daniel's like, I want to eat this food. And Daniel's, you know, Daniel, Daniel, Daniel. And there's just these three guys. They're with him. And then one chapter shows up, and Nebuchadnezzar says, bow to the golden image of me. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego say, no way. And they don't bow, and there's fire, there's the furnace, there's heroes, it's awesome, okay? And my question is, where's Daniel? The book's named after him, it's the book of Daniel. Where's Daniel? Did he bow? No, he didn't bow. So somehow God worked it out 
narratively, like in life where I'm going to get Daniel far enough away in the right way. I'm not going to decrease Daniel, punish Daniel, but I'm going to work it out where these three guys have their moment to shine. And I think that's crazy. Like, yeah, you know, I would think about how, and you were saying this and maybe you can speak on it more. The Samuel's mama brought him a coat each year. And we spoke with this in a past conversation. He, the coat had to be small enough for it to fit him appropriately. So we don't want to put people in things that they can't handle at all. So their talent, not their ability, there's no way. We all know that. There's common sense. Sometimes we, there's situations where someone's put in a position that's not their calling. And we're also scared of that, though, that we become too hesitant. And we see that there's room for growth in this calling, and we get scared. Either as a mentor or as someone saying, I'm going to enter in. I still see room for growth in myself. But that code had to be small enough to fit him appropriately, but large enough for him to grow in it. And I think yeah. you were saying all these different things. You're like, hey, I'm sick. Or I've got someone that's 60% there. I'm not going to write them off. Like, there's room in that coach deal. I'm not afraid of it. Are you afraid of it? You, that's, you know, and if we're so afraid of the gap in the coat, then nobody's going to grow. Our churches are going to be one or two talented people, and we don't want to have any depth. And that's not what Jesus was all about. I mean, it sounds like we're going we're on a rant. Um, but you think of all the people that are disciples. These guys had issues, and he grew them one coat at a all time. All of them, yeah. Yes. All of them. And, and, you know, the funny thing I saw, I can't even tell you where I saw it. Maybe it was in a book somewhere. But it was, like, back in the maybe 1920s, 1930s, 1940s, they would, I think it was like one of those hospital forms. I can't even tell you where I saw it, but on the document, it meant job, but it didn't say job, it said calling. Wow. And when I saw that, it was like first name, last name, address, what you're calling. And I'm like, does it mean job? And just yeah. because of that, I, I was reading, when I saw that, I wish I could remember where I saw it. Um, I learned this, that your calling can change over your life. Yeah. Like right now, you could be called to do media at your church, but that's for a season. That's something that God's asking you to do, but your calling may change. For example, you, know, you may be an evangelist, and God may call you, literally say, hey, I need you to be like Abraham and leave your father's house, go evangelize. And then after that, your calling may be, I need to be a youth pastor. I need to be an assistant pastor. I need to go over here. And so, but like at the end of the day, we're all doing things for the Lord. And, and honestly, and honestly, that's why I love meeting people everywhere I go, because in fact, like that guy I was telling you about, uh, who's on the drums. Yeah. The next time I saw him, it was years later, years later, it was at NAYC. And you know, you know, at NAYC, you do the thing where you're just like yeah. walking by and you're it's like, crazy. if I don't say hi to this person right now, I'm never going to see them like for another right. two years. So I saw him and I said, Hey bro, I haven't seen it in a long time. How are you doing? He's like, man, I've been really good, man. I, I'm a youth pastor now. This is my wife. I have I, two kids or three kids. I don't know how many kids yet. And it was just crazy to see that because before he was in Bible school. Now he's a youth pastor, you know, maybe the next time I see him, he may be something else. And that's the same thing. That's the same thing with everybody. You know, right now right. I'm, I'm, I'm here at, you know, I'm in uh, east side of Atlanta doing music. I may, may be called to be a missionary. I may be called. I don't know what, what the Lord right. has for me. I do feel, I do feel that, and this is, this is Gideon theology. This is Gideon. Okay. I, I do believe just like, just like Joseph, um, that God gives us all dreams, that God gives us like a God-sized dream, 
It's like mm-hmm. it's so big that you can't do it by yourself. Uh, you have to, you're going to have to do it with other people. And it's going to, it's not just like for you. It's something right. that's going to be on, on you know, maybe, maybe your own path or, or something like that. But it's a God-sized dream. And I, I do believe that. Um, and, and the more I think about it, it's like, you know, like at the end of, I, you know, w- whether it was Matthew, whether it was Stephen, I know he was, you know, he was the one, of the, you know, the first to go. Um, you know, Stephen, at, at, at the end of it, let's say right before he got stoned, um, maybe he thought like, God, is this, the, is this all that you wanted me to do? Like he was a young guy right. and he gets killed. And the person that was there, that saw that held the coats while the first martyr was getting killed was Saul who turned into Paul and wrote, you know, and so like, you don't know, it's, it's like Nona Freeman, Nona Freeman. Uh, I don't know if I, did I tell you the story about Nona yeah, Freeman? Yeah, you did. Her, Go ahead. Yeah. The, it, it's, so her brother, she had a brother that wanted to be a missionary, but he went to war and he was killed in war. And, but right before he went, he took out a life insurance policy. And when he passed away, that money went to Nona Freeman's family. And that was the money that they used in order to be missionaries in Africa. So you're thinking, man, that I, that I just spend the first 19 years of my life just to be killed. Mm-hmm. And really like, there is a huge, there's a huge thing that you did that you only like, they couldn't, they couldn't have went unless they had that money and, and made it available. And Nona Freeman, we, we, you know, we all know her, we all love her ministry and what she was able to do, but she couldn't have done it unless her brother, like, and God set that up, you know, God set right. that, that whole thing up. I think of, about John the Baptist, he's in prison and he's like, Hey, yeah. are you the one, you know, he's the one like you, you've, you've already baptized him, your cousins. And I think what he's really trying to say is, and this is what Jesus makes clear. And he says, bless, he's not offended in me. He's basically like, Hey, aren't why aren't you being the one in my life? Like I'm ending here in this prison and you're going on. And it's like, well, John, the Bible says you had the power of, of, of Elisha upon you. And you had this power to miracle working power, but you never, you never did any miracles on purpose. You could set up Jesus. And it's like, are you willing to be the seed and he be the tree? Like this is, you got to decrease so I can increase. And then one day Jesus is dying on the cross, that tree. And John, he preaches repentance. He's the seed. Like I often think about this. It, it, Paul was Saul, right? Wouldn't let him in the door when he met the apostles. They're scared of him. Barnabas stands up. He's established, has a ministry. He says, hey, I'll vouch for him. I've heard his story. We should listen to him. It's like, well, great. We now believe in Saul. But Saul, go back to Tarsus. Go back and live where you've been, which is awful. And Barnabas, they, they leave him there. And Barnabas goes on to minister. So he's doing great things, mighty man of God. And he goes to Tarsus and gets Saul and takes him and plants a church. And this church is so phenomenal. It's the first place they call them Christians. And I often have, God's hit me in the throat spiritually at times. He's like, listen, you're so focused on being a Paul that I can't use you to be a Barnabas. Like you're going to be a Paul in some ways in your life, but nobody yeah. wants to be Barnabas anymore. You, it's not, it's like multi-level marketing Christianity. Like I'm not here to yeah. level you up. Yeah. I'm here to use you. And like all these no. Pauls are walking around your church. And listen, uh, and that's the thing, you know, in terms of like this, I always think about it like this. When I say we're on the same team, we're on like you and me, we live in different states. We're on the same team, you know, yeah. and anybody that's watching this, it's not me versus you ever. And right. if you have somebody at your church, let's say that's 
more talented, they're a better preacher, they, you know, they have better insight, whatever, like, God's put you there for a reason. And if you see this thing in somebody else, yes, please grab them. And my hope is that everybody that I ever touch does anything that I do way better than I ever could do it. Um, there was like, there's a guy named uh, Donnie Bright, or we call yeah, him Donnie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's so, that so Donnie, yeah, he's, you know, down the road. When he was young, we all knew, we all, all, I mean, when he was younger, he, all he wanted to do is play shot music. Like, that's all he wanted to do. And he, we, he would FaceTime me and he'd be playing shot music. Like, as it's, he, he would go like FaceTime, click, and then play shot music. Mm-hmm. And then wait for me to pick up. And then when, it's so funny, when I pick up, he'd be like this. Oh, <laughs> hey, man. What's up, man? What do you do? And I'm like, yeah. bro, you just called me just, he's like 15, 16. Yeah. And I knew that the best thing that I could do for Donnie, the best thing, but he's going to be a phenomenal piano player. I mean, at, at the time, he was really good. And I met him even earlier than that. But I knew he was going to be a phenomenal piano player. He doesn't, he doesn't need me to give him a piano lesson. All he needs is someone to just encourage him and to help him, like kind of kind of like uh, guardrails when you play bowling. You know, it's, yeah, yeah. He's going to be phenomenal. And so all I did was just be his friend and help him wherever. And because that's all – sometimes that's all people need. They just need somebody – that's gonna right. know that you that you care about you know right it's just you know we spoke a, a little bit ago about church culture and and i've always always known this about you but most people that have been around you a lot may be surprised because they see you play you just played at our camp our youth camp yeah and you play on on the biggest stages in our movement um and so they may just say you know music minister but when you talk to you you're very discerning I mean, me and you and Landon Gore were sitting at, at, a, at some restaurant late at night. We're talking Bible. Yeah. We're talking about Judas. We're talking about free will. It was, it was, it was a great time. And then you're telling me about culture, and and I saw something in you that I, I want to emulate. Is that you, I think you're very comfortable with the fact like this. This is a ministry. This is what I do for God, but this is not who I am in God. So if He takes it or changes it. I can I can grow, I can do new things. Like I think about Moses, Moses given a staff, and he's given the staff that can turn to a serpent after he is saying, I can't do it. They won't listen to me. I'm too old. I can't speak. And that's why he says, Who who am I for to go to to eat to back to Israel? Well, when he left, they were all babies now, the parents of these kids. He's out of touch now. And he says, I can't speak. And people think he was born with a speech impediment. But when you actually read Stephen talk about him in Acts, he says that the in middle age, Moses was mighty in words and in deeds, which that means he can talk really well, fair about in radio land. So why does he go from talking well at 40 to being like, I can't talk well at 80? He's getting old. Like he's, he's like, you, you've yeah. let me waste here. Like, and God's like, listen, I made the mouth of man. Well, then God says, listen, this staff, you know, you don't want to speak for me. It's okay. I'll give you the staff. And they'll listen when they see the staff. He'll turn the Nile into blood. He'll turn to a serpent. Well, Moses used his staff for Egypt to get them out of Egypt over and over and over again. And one day, when they, right when they leave uh, Egypt, there's water. There's no water, and they're thirsty. And God says, listen, take the staff, strike the rock. He strikes it. Water comes out. Awesome. Well, then 40 years go by. And if people want to come at me in the comments, I'll explain it to you. It's two separate stories. 40 years go by, and they come back to the same area. 
and he's about to end his ministry. And the people say, you should have let us die with all of our friends and brethren that died in the wilderness for 40 years. And God says, take the staff. This is Moses' ministry. This is who he is. He's the guy with the staff, bless God. He says, strike. He, uh, I'm messing it up. He said, don't strike the rock. He said, speak to the rock. Moses is like, excuse me, this is what I do. I strike rocks. I strike Niles. And he goes and he gets fed up with the murmuring and the complaining and the, the, the bickering of the people. And he goes and he strikes the rock and water comes out. And God says, you didn't show me faithful. You're not going to go to the promised land. And I realized he struck the rock because he's used to striking rocks. This is who he is. This is ministry. He didn't speak because that's the first time God's asked him to speak since the burning bush experience. And I prayed about it. I think I told you this a while ago. I felt like God was telling Moses, Moses, I want to see if you believe more in my presence and our walk than any gift or talent I give you. You're trapped by the staff that's a ministry, but your ministry's become a crutch. Like, I am more than what I'm using you right now. And like, you were talking about this. I was like, I could see all the potential in your life. Like, you know, all these different things going on. And you mentioned to it earlier. It's just how important you think it is that people see that like, if it comes or goes, don't be mad at God. Don't be mad at people. If someone grows and they're better at, at it than you were, and you're doing the same thing, like, can, can you handle that? Can you invest in that? Or can you pivot? Because I noticed something. Samson only used the donkey's jawbone once. He's not like, God, let me keep yeah. the jawbone. It's a season of ministry. And like, you know, I just, I just, you know. I feel like, I feel like it's like a, a train stop, you know, as maybe a, I think an analogy, but it's like, I feel like it's like a train stop. You know, how many chances is the Lord going to give us when yeah. he asks us to do something? And if you miss the train, is there going to be another train that comes? Okay, well, you got on the first train, you got off. Well, there's another train that comes on. He still wants you to to take the opportunity and, and do the thing that he's asking you to do. If you miss the train, like, it may be it, you know. But I know with some things, the Lord is very merciful and he gives us He gives us grace, you know. And there's things that he's asked us to do. It's like he gives us a test, you know. It's like, hey, mm-hmm. can you do this? Can you not? I don't know. I, I never want to be on the side where God stops giving me chances, you know. Right. Um. I don't want to be on that side. And sometimes it's pretty difficult, you know, like this is, this is an example. I tell you, um, there's a soloist that's at my church and they, they have some tempo issues. They, they, they have a hard time, you know, if they're singing, they have a good voice, but if they're singing, you know, some songs, I don't, if I still haven't figured it out, but they'll, they'll mess up, they'll mess mm-hmm. up the timing of the verse. And so they ended up, finishing the verse early or finishing the verse late. And, and so, um, you know, so like I'm, to me, I'm thinking, should I give them another chance or should I not give them another chance? And, and this is literally what God does to us. It's like, Hey, I want you to take a leap of faith and I want you to do this. You know, for example, uh, I want you to teach a teacher Bible study. I want you to go invite your coworker to, you know, I want like, here's a perfect opportunity and if you miss it is god going to give you another one and and i you know i pray like god give me all the ones that you can give me because if i mess up i'm sorry you know and that's the same thing with this guy you know as long as the lord keeps on giving me chances i'm going to try to help this guy because have you ever heard of the the infinite game by um yeah it's i don't think it's i don't i know i heard simon Sinek talk about it i don't know if he ever popularized it greatly okay yeah 
Um, there's another guy named Adam Grant. He he does uh, he's a he has a PhD in organizational right. uh, psychology. I think it's organizational psychology. Um, Atomic Habits, about, right? Is that him? Um, I don't. I'm not sure if that's yeah. And maybe I haven't read that one, but um, he Adam Grant's phenomenal. Um, so in the infinite game, it's it's a game theory basically. The church is the infinite game. The, the, if if this coming Sunday was your last Sunday ever. This is so good. I know you're going it, with this. With, if, if this Sunday is last Sunday ever, you should have the best team. You should get all your parking lot people. The bathrooms would be clean because you're not – this is it. This is the last time you're going to ever do it. This is the last worship service. You do the best songs, and then that's it. Because there's known players, there's fixed rules, and there's an agreed, uh, agreed objective in – yeah, finite games like football. You know, you have right. a scoreboard, you have team against this team, and then everybody knows what the rules are. In mm-hmm. the infinite game, there's known and unknown players. Um, the players can change, and the rules can change. And the name of the game is to keep the game going. That's the name of the game. So in church, like if if I look at this person, the soloist, and I say, "Hey, we're not going to give you another chance because you messed up last week." You messed up the week before, and you'll probably mess up this week again. I'm like, this is these three Sundays are not the only Sundays that this person will ever sing for the rest of their right. life. You know, and on top of that, there's probably going to be kids that are in the children's ministry that are probably in the nursery that will be some of our greatest singers. And when they sing, I'm I may not even be here. You know, I I may be somewhere else. And so the whole name of the game is to keep the game going. I can't quit. Uh, pouring into anybody or to create a system at our church where it's just like, hey, we're just going to do the best songs. We're just going to have the best people sing and have the best musicians. It's not about that because if it was about that, then we should have shut the, uh, the the show down after the 12 passed away. But the 12 actually ended up helping more people and they reached everybody, I mean, to the uttermost part. And everywhere that they went, they turned the world upside down, everywhere that they went. So that's the thing that the church has to be. It has. It, it can't think from Sunday to Sunday. It has to think. Okay, in the next ten years, how can we grow this team? In the next, like, how can we? And honestly, I'll say this: that's what Costco does. I'll just throw that out there. That's what Costco <laughs> and Costco, I grew up going to Costco, and yeah. now I love Costco because they're not in. They're not in the business of. Oh, I want to get you as an individual. I want to get your family and your, you know, and your grandkids and your great grandkids. Um. And that's how the church needs to be. I mean, that from kids' hmm. church, from youth ministry, from hyphen, like like the whole the whole string. You want to get everybody you can. I I love that idea. I, I try thinking about it a lot. Like even in habits, routines, what I'm doing with my family or personally, am I just going to win a season, or am I doing this where I can keep repeating playing the game? And it's like the difference between goals. I love goals. Everybody uses goals in a good way, hopefully, but processes are more important than goals because like a process you become the process a goal is just something you can pass and not need anymore and digress and if we can view services in church less of goal 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 more of a process like that's why it says you know galatians 5 walk with the lord it's not saying like hey chat with jesus once in a while speed date with jesus it's like walk with him it's a it's an infinite game like you're not finishing until you go up into the sky like can i often think with with young ministers, just from my side, you know, about preaching and everything. And I'll ask them to, to preach here, and I've seen, I felt it, like, hey, preach this Sunday. And they all freak out, right? 
And it's like, I don't have anything ready. I was like, listen, if you're doing it right, you'll always have more than you need. Like you, if you're praying and studying every day and you're getting for you, your ministry preaching specifically should be abundant from what you're getting for yourself. Like you should have too much to say because every day you're doing it. Like if you pray, you talk to God, you read your Bible and you're doing it the right way, it's going to flow. It's a symptom. The process is going to produce these, these things. And, and I often, I, I think about that just, um, I just want to be, I want to bear his nature. And I think ministry, that process of ministry, it makes it where you don't have to have a scarcity mindset, which is like another, you know, idea. I don't, I I have more that came from, I'm not worried about failing as much. I'm not worried about you doing the same thing I'm doing. Like I have more that came from this one moment of preaching or playing. It's not over for me. I I got, I have the infinite mindset. You know what I'm saying? This isn't a goal, you know, so on. Um, I can't, I, I think got, about, go ahead. No, go, uh, well, I, I have a funny story about, yeah. about this, this kind of thing. Um, this is, it is pretty funny. And uh, so it's me and Isaac Cameron. This is at Mark Crowder's first recording. Yeah. And we got the demos and everything. And, and I love sharing the story because you, you'll see why. I love sharing the story. Um, now, for this recording, you have Daniel Bernard on drums. You have Travis Dykes on bass, a phenomenal drum-bass combo. Kurt Kenai, he's a music minister at First Pentecostal Church in Little Rock. He's on the yeah. piano. Uh, you have Matt Ewing, phenomenal on the organ. Uh, you have Brett Grubbs and Colton Duty on guitars, phenomenal guitar players. And then you have me and Isaac Cowden on um, aux keys. And so... We start, uh, we got the demos. And so like I came prepared as prepared as I could come and I brought all my sounds. I had everything. I had notes on all the songs, everything that I could do to be prepared. I, I got, I did, I did. And so I get there and we start rehearsals, you know, probably like 10 o'clock on Monday. And so the, the you know, we we're going to rehearse all day, every day for a week until the recording. And so the first song, the first song that we did, uh, was Breakout, uh, first song that we did. And it was, it was, I'm trying to remember exactly this, but we did, we did, I think it was probably maybe 20 or 25 seconds into the rehearsal. Mm-hmm. And Kurt says, everybody stop playing. Gideon and Isaac, go ahead and play this with me. And he counts us in. And not another, not even five seconds after we start playing, he said, did you guys call each other? Did you guys talk about what sound you're going to use for this recording? And we're like, no. And he said, okay, you guys are not prepared for this recording. You're not prepared for this week. You guys need to have two sounds on both your keyboards for every song. And I don't want you guys um, playing the same sounds. And you guys need to talk about what you're going to do for the rest of the recording because it's a mess right now. Okay, everybody else, listen. And so every, every song... If we ever heard me and Isaac playing the same thing, he would stop and he would say, get in Isaac, you guys are playing the same thing with the same sound. And I'm telling you, he was on us, like on us. Mm-hmm. And all day, all day, and we were roommate, we were staying with each other in the same hotel room. <laughs> so at night, we just, I, I didn't even talk to Isaac. I just sat down. I just said, <laughs> bro, we didn't cook right now. We're getting cooked. <laughs> and so the next day, I, like all the way up until lunch. So we finished the whole recording by Tuesday at lunch. And he was, he never let up on us, never. 
And this is me. I thought I came prepared. I had notes on every, I had sounds for every section, for every song. But Isaac also did the same thing, but we didn't talk to each other. So this is the only thing that Kurt said. And if you've ever met Kurt, this is like, and I respect him very, very much for this. He said, we were, we were walking to lunch and he said, hey guys, I know I'm being hard on you, but you'll be better for it. And then he walks away. And, and I said, man, I can't be mad at him. Like, I can't be mad at him because right. I want to do good, but he knows like, hey, we could do better and we could have done better. And so with that story, I mean, that, that really changed because, you know, talking about being you know, like where you are in your preparation about stuff, it's like, there, there's another level, you know, there was another level for me that I right. wasn't even prepared for, you know? And, um, man, like now when I talk to people and, and I try to help them, I'm like, Hey, I just want you to know, like, there is another, there's another level to what you're doing. And even, even the way that they were communicating was, you know, it, it was another level even for me because I'm thinking, man, is this a big deal? And it, Matt, Matt Ewing on the organ, he was so funny, but, uh, it's just sometimes in, in ministry, sometimes you're going to have these times where you're like, Hey, I'm doing the best that I can. Like I'm a hundred percent all the way prepared. I'm, I did everything I could and you're not there yet. Actually, right. you have so much more to go because you know, there, there was an end product that I didn't communicate with my teammate, Isaac. And I, I've never played on a recording with two off-keys players. That was crazy. That was yeah. different for me. But it really, having Kurt there, it really, um, I just wanted to say that because, number one, I, I, I very much respect him for saying that to me. But it opened up my eyes to yeah. know that there was something else um, for that. So I just wanted to share that story. It was, no, I appreciate it. it. And, uh, you know, watch the Segway Kids. Like, I'm going to bring it back to the, uh, the the mantle. I was thinking when you're talking, and this is a talking point. I try to land every episode. Like, Elisha picks up the mantle when it falls, and we can't go. That's the moment it happened. I know he's doing a miracle like Elijah now. The mantle is just, just a piece of cloth. It represents the prayer life, the devotion, the, the honoring the craft. The mantle is, and I think that what you just expressed is 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 what I, it's it's abundance it's it's falling in love with it it's 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 obsessing about it in a good way it's not just having enough to show up like it's the spirit of it and i think in church sometimes we we struggle with i put obligation upon you in whatever ministry you're in here's obligation on your shoulders that's not a mantle like the mantle is the spirit and the tone the culture that matches with the obligation and if we just put obligation the people we put it on they burn out and they quit how come nobody wants to be involved in church, but they all want to come to church? Like, what's up with that? How come they roll out? How come we have to set really short term limits on involvement? And then also, we we burn ourselves out because I'm just trying to meet the level of doing what I need to to fit the obligation. But God's like, you're getting no reward. You're serving me, but you don't feel blessed by your service. Like, yeah, it's like it's 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 the culture beyond it. You know, and with and with Kurt, honestly, with him expressing the things that he did, I really, you know, and some people could quit and some people yeah. could take that and say, you know, I'm just not going to, I'm just not going to be a part of this anymore. And, and I, I have people on my team that sometimes they say, you know, Gideon, you're being a little too much. You're being uh, too East coast. You're being too, too New York. And I'm like, Hey, <laughs> listen, like, you know, it's my responsibility to have this standard, you know? Right. And w when, when Kurt, when he, 
I, I would have to say, like, he really opened up my eyes because he was he was on us. I don't want to say he was roasting us, but he wasn't trying to be malicious. He wasn't trying to you know, hurt our feelings or anything like that. He, all he wanted was for us to do a good job. And I wanted to do a good job very, very much. And I asked him afterwards, I said, hey, man, it, is it okay if I could come? And I watched their services sometimes. I asked him if I could come and, and shadow him just because sometimes there's, I know that I can learn from from Kurt, you know, and just like right. I can learn from my mentors. Uh, I mean, I could learn, I try to keep it open mind from learning, but in terms of, in terms of burnout, man, like uh, I, burnout is, you know, it's a real thing. Sometimes people do need breaks and sometimes right. people need to just like have like a two week window where they're just getting in, you know, and I try to make sure I, I mean, I, I'm very, I'm very, uh, like open when it comes to people saying that I'm burnt out. I say, you know what, take a break. It's totally fine. Um, but I do believe that sometimes when people get into a situation like that, they just need to like refocus just a little bit, you know, right. because they probably still want to do things for the Lord. They're, they're just like, you know, whether it's working another job, or if it's their family, you know, um, but yeah, I, I try to help people as much, as much as possible. But that, that idea that Kurt, he helped me with, I wish I could say like, I had more of that in my life, more, uh, I guess uh, is an epiphany. More more moments where like this yeah, is like an existential in my life. crisis in a good way. You had an yeah, awakening. You know, I totally agree with um, with uh, the the burnout take as well. You know, like it is a real thing at times. And I know I just addressed like if if someone you know the spirit behind it. That's one side of it. But like you were saying, some people just need to refocus. I mean, I've had seasons where I had to just pray. And just hang out and just figure out what I'm doing. Because you get, you get, you kind of get spiritual road rash. You're just doing it and doing it and doing it. And I think about Elijah being at the Brook of Cherith and God's like, listen, we've done a lot. And like, just sit here and be fed by crows. And I think about him later. He's like, Lord, let me die. Jezebel's chasing me. And he's like, you don't need like more Holy Ghost. You need like a meal delivered from an angel. Like, right. you don't need to pray. Like, I love prayer and fasting and I love being, don't, don't come at me, internet. But, you got to have good principles of rest and mindfulness and have good relationships. And you, there's these rules that still apply. I, you, you're never so holy that you don't have to eat and rest and, and have good boundaries. You know, there's, it never get that I, spiritual. It, it's, I think it's hilarious that God's like, Hey, you just need a meal, man. Just sit down. Just, we'll get you some food. Don't worry about it. Like sometimes it's like a Snickers like commercial. That, that's like, that's like my mom, you know, like yeah. I'm like pretty upset about something. What did you eat today? Did you yeah. eat today? Why don't you sit, sit down and get some food? There's food in the fridge. Let, I'll give you some. Like, sometimes yeah. it's just like, if you can't take care of yourself, God's going to take care of you, you know? Right. And sometimes, sometimes that, that does that. Even without you knowing it, like, you know, hey, God will put things on your plate and you literally have to, be, you have to say, oh my God, I need to just take a second and take a break, you know? And right. I, and I'm, if, if we're in the infinite game, if, if you change your mindset, to that kind of thinking, it's okay for people to take breaks. Right. And, and like, cause I want to push. And when we push, like we're going, but at the same time, there needs to be like ebbs and flows where people do take breaks because burnout is a real thing. You know, I never want to be like a match that's completely spent, you know, because right. then I, I'm not going to be able to burn, you know? So, um, exactly. burnout, man, brother, uh, well, pastor Chavis, when I, I went to a class at music fest, he taught, um, a whole session about how to, uh, or a leading on empty, basically. And it yeah. was from a book and like, you have nothing to give, but you still have to, like, how do you recharge? How do you, and he was talking about very, very practical things. 
yeah. on how to like if you can't go to church on Sundays because you're giving, you're on you're on platform mode. You're not on cue mode. Like you know, if I'm playing the piano, I'm you know I, you know the singers are ahead of me. I'm on the side. There's people that are in the altar. They're dancing for the Lord, and I'm thinking, what is the next part of the song? I'm not, I'm not, I can't dance right now, you know? Mm -hmm. So when do I get to dance? Do I get to dance on Monday? Is my dance day on Saturday? You know, when do I get to be fed? You know, uh, you know, and sometimes you can't, you can't do it on Sundays, you know? Um, For me, you know, I I try to set a time where I can worship the Lord because I, I understand like my, my piano playing is me dancing, you know, like I play the piano in a way that I'm giving glory to God. But right. there's times where like, I just want to be on my knees. You know, I, I just want to like throw my hands up and I like, I'll do that, but I'll do that, you know, to uh, a prayer playlist that I have on iTunes or, you know, I do that not on Sundays, not on Wednesdays, you know? So when do you, do you, do you like having a schedule? Do you sleep at a certain time? You know, or do you remove the stressors from your life? Like, are you like, do you work out? Like, do you like, what are those things that you're doing for your for your health so, so this way when it comes time to give you have some in the tank you know like do you is there a certain topic that you want to study out in the bible you know like are there things that you're doing to feed yourself like your your right. brain your body you know so um that's very important if you if you feel like you need to go to church on sundays to be fed you actually need to feed yourself more you, you need to get more meals in besides sunday and wednesday you know right so, right but that's um, crazy before uh I mean, it's been an hour. Can you believe that? It's flown by. I've enjoyed it. Oh, really? It's like a blur. Yeah. Oh, wow. Wow. So before we get out of here, I want to ask you, we got a lot of young guys that are watching this, young ladies as well. The scene you play at their camp most recently, um, and some of them are 12, 13, 14, 15, 16. And I don't want to just trap, like the, the focus of this ministry is ministers age 40 and down, right? But it's not ages, you know, 22 and up to 40. Like, come on, there's a 16-year-old, there's a 17-year-old. Yeah. And they're called to to a like ministry like yours, and I want to ask you very quick. You can be as 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 precise as you want. You can be you can expound as much as you want. But let's say you wake up on a typical day, and you're trying to get your daily bread. You're trying to prepare for a service. Like what what does that preparation look like? Because I want someone to be able to watch this. And I know you can't tell them every intention, every habit, but if you were gonna like like Jacob. Okay, he's laying his hands on Joseph's kids. Israel is passing his mantle. If someone's going to watch this clip and like imitate what you do every day, a good starting point, like a young music minister, like Gideon does this, he does this, I'm going to go do that. Because I think, you know, people say, don't look at me, look at Christ. And that's not actually biblical. Paul said, imitate me as I imitate Christ. So what would you say to Mm. that 17 year old? Like, this is what I do every day. This is what I eat. Like, I mean, I'm sure Chick-fil-A, I have Chick-fil-A. Wait, did we talk about this? Are you a Popeye's person? I feel like we had this I, conversation. I, I, I would show you, I would show you right now, but I have Chick-fil-A socks on right now. Like, okay, I literally there you have go. Chick-fil-A. <laughs> I'm wearing Chick-fil-A socks yeah. right now. So Chick-fil-A, yeah, so tell yeah. me about your day. Popeyes. Oh, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so in terms of music ministry, um, in terms of what I do, I always, so the infinite game, I'm, I'm trying to do the infinite game. So it's kind of difficult. Um, and you have to understand that being a music minister means that you only do the thing that you're really good at, like 10% of the time. Like mm-hmm. that's, that's pretty much it. Yeah. Um, 
last night we have prayer at church and playing the piano is the easiest thing that I do. It's the easiest thing I do. I played the piano for like an hour and a half straight during prayer. Like I mm -hmm. never stopped playing the piano for an hour and a half. So I was talking to one of my friends. They said, man, was that really hard for you? And I said, no, that was the easiest thing I do. Like that's the easiest thing. Um, being organized, being structured and trying to intentionally have a win every time that we have a service is the hardest thing. The thing that affects people the most as a music minister is scheduling because you're asking people to leave their homes, leave their lives, come to a rehearsal, come to church right. early to sing. So you're actually like, you're affecting people's lives immediately just by scheduling. So um, if you're a music minister or if you're somebody who's over people, being organized in terms of like a schedule or we use planning center online. It's like an, an online uh, based scheduling system for, for churches, specifically for services. We use planning center, uh, making sure that you communicate. Now, listen, I'm not, I'm not the best uh, at being organized. I'm not the best at communicating, but it's the same thing as playing the piano. Like when I was born, I wasn't gifted to be an organizer. I wasn't gifted to be a communicator, but I can learn how to be a better communicator. I can learn how to be more organized, just like I can learn to be a better piano player. Mm -hmm. It's a skill that you need to practice and you need to hone. So some people, they're just really good at the piano because they have a lot more talent. Some people are really good at being organized just because they have that talent, but it is something that you can learn. And it's very, very important. It's very, it's very, very important. So not only, you know, scheduling, communicating, then this is the part where it gets kind of like, man, I don't know if we should do that, is, is have a team. You need to have a team. Uh, a team of people, I don't think God ever meant for you to do ministry by yourself. I see, I, uh, do not forsake the assembling uh, of yourselves together. I, I don't know if that's exactly according to the Bible word for word, but we have a music team at the church. Now, obviously, like, they have a leader. You know, every department has a leader, and I'm technically the leader. But I have a team of people that help me do the things I need to do. And the reason why I know that we need help is because I can't do everything. Just like Jethro talking to Moses, his father-in-law was talking to him. Like, yeah. Hey, you have a lot of issues. Um, <laughs> you spend all day, all night just trying to deal with these issues. What about if you spread the workout between people that you trust that can help you? And so you divide and conquer. And that's exactly what the music team uh, that we have, that what they do. I, I've separated it into... Now, let me, I have to say this. There's a vocal director. There's a band director. Uh, vocal director at, uh, band director, vocal director. We have an admin team, which I'll talk about that in a second. Um, and then we have an onboarding team. And then we have a rehearsal team. So an onboarding team just gets people to come into our music department. And there's, there's a whole wing of that. Um, we have, the rehearsal team that during rehearsals will help our all of our rehearsal like for example if we have an onboarding person what happens during the rehearsal is we have um this rehearsal team making sure that the people who are being onboarded can have things that are explained to them whether it's like okay it's so weird when you try to have a new person and you say hey come come to rehearsals uh we'll try to get you involved meet me at church after wednesday and we'll talk about it and then they come to rehearsals and you're busy and you can't actually help them. And they're curious because they don't know what any of the tech is. They don't know what an in-ear pack is. They don't know how the sound system works. Right. So we have a rehearsal team that helps you with that. Um, we have a development wing 
literally it's a process to teach new musicians and singers to be a part of the worship department so after you leave onboarding you go to development and you're getting taught things like uh stage presence which is i know it's such a weird no. thing no, but, I get but it. like yeah. if you're on I, I watch the service every week and if you're standing like a statue like we're <laughs> going to record you in in this thing and we're going to show you what you look like while you're singing a song <laughs> just to let you know like yeah. hey man you look like a statue like like you know or something like that yeah um we have somebody who's over communication because it's not my superpower. That means anything Facebook, anything Instagram, anything, uh, any kind of email. We have somebody that's just over making sure that our processes are uh, automated, are electronic, and are getting better. Uh, we have somebody, we have two people that actually are in charge of reaching out to people, kind of like an in-reach pastor kind of mm -hmm. like role. But it's like, hey, if so-and-so hasn't accepted for a while, like, can you talk to them? And, and I just try to like drive the system. Except so, in a planning uh, center, they're saying. Exactly. So right. uh, if you, now the problem that we've had, great problem. We, on average, when I got here about a year, uh, a little, maybe a year and a half, almost close to a year and a half, we had about 480 on mm -hmm. average. Now we have about 620. So where did those people come from? I don't know. I don't, I don't know where they came from. I, I don't know most of the people. I'm still trying to learn the 480, you know? Yeah, yeah. So my fear is that we're growing very fast. Um, having a team is so important. I'll say yeah. this. Um, there is a um, personality, there's a system, and there's a product. So in this case, the product is our music department. The personality is me because I'm the leader. I'm the driver and then the system right so if you want to have linear growth you have your personality drive your product which is me driving the, the worship department and i do everything that's kind of like what moses was doing but but he had like three million people that he was trying to get through i mean that's crazy so what moses did was he he was the driver he created a system that drove the the things that he was trying to do so he he got a team of people to help him and so with that, you'll have exponential growth instead of linear growth. Every time that a personality is driving a system, you'll have exponential growth instead of linear growth. And that's what we're trying to do. So day to day, um, what I try to do is make sure that the system is fine-tuned. The system is working because the system is going to drive everything that we need to do, um, whether it's on Planning Center, whether it's tracks. Um, like what? where is the goal? Like even, even right now, if you're a young person – uh, watching this, uh, I feel like I'm talking about the stock market right now because <laughs> I'm trying to predict the, I'm, I'm about to try to predict the future. The future yeah. is, uh, there's this one song from Brian Pound's recording that I believe will change the way that we do worship music in our circle, in the UPCI. It's one song. And, and, I, and my prediction is that we will stop using tracks. We, we will not use tracks as much as we're using them now because of this one song that happened at Brian's recording. Mm. And uh, what happened at his recording is there was a song that was made up like on the spot. Uh, Brian's mom, uh, she has cancer and he, Brian didn't know if she was going to be able to make it to the, to the uh, recording. So he says, Hey, you know, I didn't know if my mom was going to make it, but she's here. Can we all pray for my mom? The whole room automatically turned into an altar call boom we all start praying for mom and everybody in the room is like man i really want her to be healed in jesus name and so he said does anybody else need prayer can we have some of the 
uh, life ministers and, and prayer team from the church come up. So this is at my church. This is crazy. So this is altar call now. We're, like the recording, it's in the middle of the recording, but we're in altar call. We're singing the healer. I believe you're my healer. All right. Mm-hmm. So they're, they're still recording, but we're just playing because people want to come up and get prayed for because they have something that they need the Lord to heal them. So this mm-hmm. is like, we're not, we're not in a recording anymore. Right. Brian feels like somebody needs, uh, he goes up to one of the tenors and as soon as he like walks up, he's like, Hey, I, I feel like we need to sing something else. Do you have something? He goes up to one tenor and the other tenor. And as soon as I, I saw the whole thing happen and the other tenor starts singing, uh, if you can do it, you can do anything. Like if you like, and it's just, he just made it up. Like if, if you can do it, you can do anything. And so he starts singing it in his mic. He keeps on singing it. And so the singers start singing it in unison. If you can do it. Unison, right? Mm-hmm. And then the band's like, oh, hey, guys, I think the singers are singing. So let's play behind them. And so the band director, um, at the time, he's like, oh, that's six, three, four, five, six, three, four, five. Okay, cool. And then they go in the parts. And so now we're like, okay, what's going on right now? And I'm telling you, I'm telling you, it was like, you know, you know, those times where you're like in the Holy Ghost and Mm -hmm. you're like, man, I knew that the thing that just happened was a God thing. Like we were all in the same vein, but like, it was like that. But with everybody that was singing, all the musicians, we were all in the whole, the, the amount of changes and the amount of things that were happening could not be communicated fast enough for us to all know what the next thing that was going to happen we literally made this up on the spot the so he starts writing more lyrics and we we go into parts we flip and the bands the band and the vocals are like this they're like connected dynamically lyrically and we're making this up on the spot like we're all making this up there's a line and i'm telling you it was it was crazy then David Jennings comes up and he has more lyrics and he's there. He wasn't even singing for the recording and he starts making up more lyrics and we fought, we follow him. And I, and after that, I said, this is going to be the direct, this song is going to be how our services are going to be where it's just like, you know, I, I, I believe that the Lord gives us songs and I, I feel like they're like, just they're right above our heads and he's always talking. He's always given us stuff. Right. And do do we have the ability to just grab that from the air? You know, that's kind of kind of a weird way to explain we it. Spoke I believe, we spoke about this. We spoke about your songwriting and prayer, and you felt like I mentioned that I felt like I get thoughts more of like a I'm recording it. Like I'm not creating it, I'm just catching it. Yeah. And you said, wait a second. That's so he's I've been thinking about this with songwriting. I feel like that's literally that that's literally what's going on. And when you guys, you know, when you guys watch this video, there's going to be people in the audience and there's people on the platform that are going to be jumping around on this song. I don't know the name of it. We, I think we don't know the name. Is it, is it labeled spontaneous or something? I think they, I they, saw they, it they labeled it. They labeled it flow moment. That's what, okay. it's, that's what they labeled it, but yeah. we don't know what it's called, you know? So yeah. um, I think that's the, that's going to be direct. And I'm just, I'm just dropping that in there because, um, if you're watching this, I want you to understand that there's th- there's technical things that you have to know. If you're if you're in music, you have to know there's certain types. Just like when you preach, there's certain rules about pausing, about how to like land a point, setting up your sermons. Of its, uh, what were the three kind? Uh, 
kinds of sermons. There is, uh, I, I forget the, there's, I mean, there's homiletics, hermeneutics, and apologetics, but there's uh, inductive and deductive. There, there's certain things about preaching that you're going to need to know. It's the same yeah. thing with music. There, you know, you have to know music theory. It doesn't, it's not like, well, if you're a singer, if you're a musician, music theory is just general knowledge about music. Mm-hmm. And we all, we all knew enough of it. So that's where we can do this. So as a music, you're going to have to learn this stuff. But um, that, that moment was very special. And so I, I like to end on that to let people know that, hey, the way that we do worship music in the future is, I, I think it's about to change. And um, that if you're watching this, just, just be ready for this, this massive shift because it's not going to be, oh, the song is going to be done in four minutes and 37 seconds. It's going to be, okay, I feel like we need to go back into that bridge. But also that elf over there has some more lyrics that we can add onto this bridge. So let's keep on doing this bridge until we can we can we can let you know so and so get ministered to because so and so just came up to the front and they need a touch from God and well well the track ends at four minutes and thirty seven seconds. So then I would say, well forget the track, you know, hmm. just let's or we have to be able to manipulate the track to follow us. But uh the the movement it's not my idea, it's called hashtag no stems. So um Okay. It's, yeah. Go ahead. So it's it's gonna be. I mean, it's not my idea. They uh, FPC, they uh, first Pentecostal uh, Church in Little Rock. They came up with this idea, but yeah. Um. But but where's the win? Okay. So I'm trying to help my music department get to that place, and that's why we're doing development because there's a lot of things that I don't know what people know, and I don't know what they don't know. So development's gonna help us get there. Being able to teach and train people. That's very very. That's a very very important thing. So. If you're watching this, just just know those are a few things that you're going to need to keep an eye out. Make, you know, communication, being organized, uh, development, very very important, and making sure that there's a win every every time that you can have a win. Try to make sure that there is a win somewhere. Somewhere there's yep. a win. Uh, before we sign off, can you repeat those three levels? You said there was personality, there was system. Can you say those real quick again? Yeah, yeah. There's a there's a uh, personality. Uh, or there's, I'm sorry, there's a product, then there's a personality, and then there's a system. The personality is whoever's in charge. So whoever the driver is. So, you know, in your church, it, you know, the pastor is the driver. Your product is anything that that person is going to offer. So, you know, if it's, if it's the pastor, it's your Sunday services, your Wednesday services. If it's the music minister, it's your rehearsals, it's your development, it's your uh, anything that the music department offers. And the system is how you execute those products. Um, this mm-hmm. is this is a it's a it's a business principle, and uh, in this case, the the system would be how do we make the system uh, basically uh, run these things? Okay, you know that if you're in a linear growth versus an exponential growth, if you remove the driver, basically, um, I, I'm kind of saying this backwards. A personality is the driver for the product. But mm-hmm. if you have the personality drive the system, then the system can drive the product. You know if you're in linear growth versus exponential growth, if you remove the driver. Let's you say have a system. Yeah. Let's say if your head pastor is not at church for five weeks in a row and you can't call them, you can't fix them, what happens to the church? Can the church still run on their own? Can the music department still function without the music minister for five weeks in a row? And that happens. So it, it it does My happen. dad tore his Achilles in for like six weeks. And okay. You, everybody finds out what's up at that point. There's there's a group called Barna Barna Group. They do research, and they say that one person cannot maintain 
more uh, more than 150 relationships. Basically, they say if you're at a coffee shop and you see one of these 150 people, you would feel comfortable enough to sit down next to them at that coffee shop. That's what it, what that's what they're trying to say. And you see the numbers with churches. You know, there's there's a wall that's at 150 people. There's a wall that one person cannot get over. The second wall is around 300, which ironically, it's like if you have a head pastor, if you have a youth pastor, if you have an exec, there's going to be another wall there. The next wall after that is around 800. And the next wall after that's 2000. There's bottlenecks that you'll hit when you get to these numbers that will prevent you from getting to the next level. So if you have a driver or the personality driving a system and that system's driving your weekend services, it's it'll help you with your exponential growth and you'll move out of the linear growth category to the exponential. Well, bro, we could have we could split up the last fifteen minutes and sell it. Honestly, the stuff you just oh, said, yeah. we could we could package it. I mean, we don't tell won't tell anybody about it. We'll just sell uh, it. It'll be awesome. Just, I, just yeah. So many gems. I appreciate you coming on. Uh, you didn't have to say yes. Uh, I know. Um, I appreciate you, you you hearing me out, seeing the message. You were really willing to come on. I appreciate it greatly, and um, not just for me, but for the people that are be watching this, um, investing in this ministry that we're we're getting off. Yeah. I, 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 I joke about like one podcast can't change the world, but like you throw a stone at a giant, you see what happens. Let's just throw yeah. it as hard as we can. So yeah. everybody out there, listen to this, re-listen to this, look, save the clip, share it, because we're not just here just to talk. Is that two guys and, and, a, and a mic? He just invested in you. So hear him out and uh, God bless you, Kentucky District and the Mantle Podcast. Thank you for joining Thank us you. today. Thanks. Love you, man. Thank you for joining us today for the Mantle Podcast, presented by Mantle Ministries and the Kentucky District UPCI.